and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last night. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl. Well, I'm a screen guy. Oh, Pennsylvania. We love Pennsylvania. Back in the late 90s, one of the top songs again and again on the Billboard charts was from a British band, Chumba Wumba. And the chorus line went, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. Now, while the song Tub Thumpin' was an international hit, I'm not sure if it was playing on the radio in Tunisia or in Jordan or South Korea or many of the places abroad that our guest was serving. He served our country as an Army officer. He enlisted back in 1984, and after retiring with the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, George Scott returned back home to his native Pennsylvania. He became a Lutheran minister. He built a congregation in rural Perry County. And like so many, after the 2016 election, he felt compelled to get involved in Pennsylvania politics, and he poured his energy into a new type of public service. In 2018, he ran a hard-fought campaign against Congressman Scott Perry, came within 2.6% of a win. In 2020, he got up again, and he ran a hard-fought campaign for state Senate, but he came up a bit short. In this next series, we will focus on the region in and around Harrisburg. As farmers sold off land to developers, there are entire neighborhoods that did not exist 20 years ago. There are countless new Pennsylvanians that moved from outside the Commonwealth to this diverse region. Many are registered as independents. George is going to give us a valuable perspective on changes afoot in the townships and boroughs across this region. Lieutenant Colonel George Scott, welcome to my kitchen table. Hey, Tari, it's a pleasure to be with you. I got to ask you before we plunge in. And uh, emphasis on plunge. I understand you plunged out of an airplane several times over the deserts of Tunisia. And <laughs> I've, I, I've done my share of uh, paragliding and uh, skydiving, uh, but never over Tunisia. So what was that all about? So I was uh, in Tunisia for a year for what's called in-country training. My uh, Part of my Army career was being a Middle East Foreign Area Officer. And uh, when you become a regional specialist like that, you spend a year in a country as part of your training package. And so for me, that was Tunisia. And while I was there, uh, one of the things I got to do was to uh, do some, uh, some joint parachuting with the uh, Tunisian uh, army. And so that was a, it was a blast. Was that before or after the uh, Arab Spring? If we're still calling it the Arab Spring. That was, yeah, that was well before. I'm, uh, I'm showing my age here, but we're talking mid-90s. <laughs> Well, so tell our, I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with your incredible commitment to public service, but give folks a sense of what led up to parachuting in Tunisia, being in the U.S. Army. Uh, you know, where, where were you born? Where were you raised? And what was the impetus to, to, to join? Yeah, well, I was born in uh, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. My dad was a career Army officer, and uh, he and my mom retired in South Central Pennsylvania after he finished serving 30 years. 
and they both jumped into farming, uh, but they also were very active civically and socially, um, not just with the church, but also things like scouting and the uh, Democratic Party and Lions Club and you name it, they were they were involved with it. And uh, they really set an example for me of what public service looks like at the local level. And their example, plus a desire to help get some pay for college was uh, what led me to get an Army ROTC scholarship. And I went in thinking I would serve four or five years, but before I knew it, I'd served 20 years. And uh, it was a real privilege, you know, to serve on active duty and to get to see and do all the things that I did to serve our nation in both peacetime and wartime. Um, when I came out of the uh, Army, I uh, served a little bit more with the federal government and then a few years in the private sector, but felt uh, eventually a call to serve in a different way. So I returned home to Pennsylvania a few years after retiring, uh, entered seminary and became a Lutheran pastor and served the local community in ministry for the better part of a decade. And uh, that's, that's kind of brings you up to uh, where we're at now, except for a couple of uh, runs for office mixed in there towards the end. Well, I grew up on Muhlenberg College's campus, so while my father's a rabbi, I guess I know a bit about the Lutheran Church, and I mean, they were right there at the founding of Pennsylvania and have, have really built our commonwealth, so on many levels, uh, thank you. I got to ask you, though, what, what was the highlight? Maybe it was jumping out of a plane over Tunisia, but uh, your years uh, of active duty at home and abroad, what was uh, the highlight? I would point to two experiences. One would be the five years I spent at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. That was um, just a hub for units that were constantly deploying forward in response to contingency operations. It was a, a very exciting, very stressful, but a very exciting uh, life and uh, one that uh, was very, really, very challenging as well. Um, I would also point to the two years that I spent in Amman, Jordan. That was during the late 90s, and I was there in, in 98 to 2000. Um, that was the time period when uh, King Hussein passed away after over 40 years, and they went through a, a tumultuous transition. And uh, it was just a, an amazing place to be with an amazing set of leaders. In fact, our our ambassador there at uh, the embassy in Jordan was a gentleman named Bill Burns, who you may have know was recently confirmed as the director of CIA and one of the one of the greatest public servants I've ever worked with. So tell us, I mean, that's always a transition to come back to civilian life and then to move to back to the Commonwealth, where I guess you hadn't been, if I'm doing my math correct, uh, for several decades. Yeah. Uh, what, what was that like and, and where, where did you and your family move to in the Commonwealth? Well, we moved right back into South Central Pennsylvania and it, it was different. One of the first things that really struck me was it was much more diverse than what it had been when I grew up there and went uh, went to college um, not that it was completely lacking any diversity, but it was fairly hom homogeneous um, when I was growing up. And what I saw when I came back was was we had uh, a lot more diversity uh, in terms of ethnicity. And the other thing I saw was that the economy had significantly shifted. There was a lot of light manufacturing. Uh, most of those jobs had gone and in, in their place were much more service sector jobs. And so like when I graduated high school, a lot of people didn't go on to higher education. They went either straight into uh, into manufacturing jobs or in light industry jobs. Some went into the military. And, and what you would see is that people would be able to make a living doing that. They could eventually buy a home, raise a family, have a car, take a vacation to, to Ocean City or somewhere along the shore every year and, and live, you know, not a ridiculous lifestyle, but a, but a fairly comfortable lifestyle. And oftentimes that was with one primary income earner. 
Um, when I came back, and particularly as I got into ministry and started dealing with people on a day-to-day basis, what I saw was folks just couldn't do that anymore. Most of the families that I knew had multiple multiple wage earners, and oftentimes those wage earners were working more than one job. And so the uh, the, the flatness, the decline in wages, plus some other forces really had put a lot of stress on families that, that wasn't there before. And we certainly want to plunge into uh, those demographic changes, and I think that they are a large driver of uh, the political changes that are afoot in the greater Harrisburg area. But I think a lot of listeners, you know, they're hearing this and your incredible life story. It's almost like a re-reincarnation of Lieutenant Colonel slash uh, Pastor George Scott. So, look, half of our country on average in most elections doesn't even vote. So what was compelling you to get into electoral politics? It was a combination of things. First, I would say I was um, had some great teachers in high school who really sparked an interest in politics for me. Um, Both my parents, as uh, as I mentioned earlier, were involved with the Democratic Party, even though it was an area where Democrats were in no way the majority. They uh, they were fighting the good fight back during that time frame. And then I also, while I was in college, got to serve a uh, congressional internship with uh, Bill Goodling who was a moderate Republican, served the uh, what was then the uh, the fourth, actually the 19th district going way back. And uh, and he was, he was a really uh, a good leader uh, for the district. And I think he served the people in ways that were very representative of the district. So that had been, I think, in the back of my mind, particularly when I was younger, but I had kind of forgotten about that. It was only in the uh, 2016 election cycle and in the aftermath of that, that I started thinking about uh, entering into politics. I've had a lot of conversations with friends and colleagues who served our country in uniform. And what I often hear, uh, just uh, I'm always curious, was it a particular moment on the 2016 campaign? Uh, certainly there were a few of them with the former president. But uh, was it was it something in particular about him that he he said or did? Or was there a spark, a light bulb? I think for me, it was a series of moments and encounters at the local level. I mean, certainly the intensity and the the style of campaigning that he brought was different from what we'd seen, I think, before. But what I really was shocked by was the way that played out, not just at the national level or even at the state level, but how it trickled all the way down to the local level. So I saw within the community that I was serving and even in the congregation that I was leading, people split apart and stopped talking to each other. Sometimes within the same family, there were people who were um, not on speaking terms because of that campaign. And I think I, like many, hoped that in the aftermath of that election, that things would calm down and that we'd, we'd bounce back to normal when it became apparent that we weren't. That uh, that was very alarming. But, but yeah, I think it's just more seeing longtime friends suddenly unable to talk to each other. That was uh, That was really alarming for me. I hear you loud and clear. I think a lot of our listeners uh, will as well. I think there's going to be PhDs written about the last four years. But let's take a look, uh, maybe more so, at the next four years. Uh, yeah. and, and particularly where I'm coming from, I've had so many conversations uh, here in Washington. People look at the map of the Commonwealth, the county by county, red and blue map, and they always point at Dauphin County, your home county, and they say, what, what's up with that blue? Because let's be honest, there's a lot of red surrounding that blue. And I encourage them to take a look at the 2018 map with the Senate and the governor's race, and they'll see a little more blue in the county by county breakdown. 
But uh, give us a sense, because uh, you're intimately familiar with the doors and the cul-de-sacs uh, of Dauphin County, and you've referenced uh, some of the population changes. What, what do you think is afoot there? Uh, you, I mean, you've seen it with your own eyes, and if, to the extent you have a crystal ball. What we've seen in Dauphin County is the economy has shifted over recent decades. And what it has done is it has... Um, brought in folks that were not always necessarily long-term residents of the county. And so one of the places that's clearly obvious is in and around Hershey. As Hershey Medical Center has has become part of the Penn State Health System and grown and expanded significantly, that's brought in a bunch of people who didn't necessarily grow up in the area and for whatever reasons, bring in a little more open mindset about the politics and rather than being reflexive Republicans, are willing to look at, uh, at Democratic candidates as well. So I think that's been, been one thing that's uh, helped. I also think the the economy has has diversified there in part because there's a there's a, a nexus of of roads that come together in and around Harrisburg between 81, 83, the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and a couple of others. And uh, a lot of really smart business people have figured out that that you can build warehouses right in the greater Harrisburg area and within a matter of uh, a few hours reach, I think it's over 40% of the population of the United States. And so million square foot warehouses are being built uh, up and down 81, 83, and even in some cases along the turnpike. And I think that's that's also just brought in some some folks perhaps that uh, haven't traditionally been there. You know, Pennsylvania is one of those states where, where oftentimes it used to be people would grow up and stay in the same county, sometimes even in the same town that they grew up in. I think we've got a lot more folks, uh, a lot more uh, folks who transitioned into the area, and uh, and that's created a different economy and a different electorate. And so in Dauphin County, it's a, it's a blue county now, but yet that's not reflected at the local level. The uh, county offices are all controlled by Republicans, and frankly, always have been. And uh, down at the local level, many of the offices are, are in Republican hands as well. And, and just to remind listeners, uh, Dauphin County is where uh, the state capital is, the city of Correct. Harrisburg, which I believe is the largest municipality in the county, but obviously one of dozens and dozens of municipalities across the, the county. Uh, my understanding is voter registration, there's about 20,000 registered independents. And I'm always curious asking folks with as much dirt underneath your fingernails as you have uh, in the trenches of um, the mean streets of Dauphin County, uh, what, you know, what, what compels someone Give us a sense of those 20,000 independents. Yeah, well, I think it's funny because uh, as we talked about it, uh, particularly in the most recent campaign, a lot of folks who maybe aren't familiar with the area assume, well, they must all be you know, Democrats in disguise, which is really not the case. The independents are very diverse in, um, in Dalton County. You have everything from folks who are at the far right end of the political spectrum to the far left end. And, and what they, many of them uh, have have done is they stepped back from party politics because they've lost faith in the ability of both parties to really um, meet their needs and to uh, to operate in the way that they want them to operate. And so they've chosen to uh, to go down other paths. And so I found some folks who were um, really very sympathetic to uh, to the positions and the values that I had as a as a as a moderate Democrat. Others who would uh, get me when I talked to them on the phone who would give me an earful about how I wasn't progressive enough. And then others who made it very clear that they would never consider voting for me as a Democratic candidate. They might thank me for my military service, but they would say I I could never vote for somebody like yourself. And so it's a very diverse group. And they're really the the swing 
in the county. And I think that's happening in other places in South Central Pennsylvania as well. We're seeing uh, an increase in independence. You referenced um, uh, Hershey Med, which is uh, affiliated with Penn State, and then uh, UPMC. Uh, we have a lot of listeners who might, from outside of Pennsylvania, might not be familiar. That's the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, which is hundreds of miles away from Pittsburgh uh, and everywhere in between. So when you were at the doors, to what extent was healthcare, I suppose COVID was probably the number one issue, but to what extent uh, was, was healthcare a main driver? And if it wasn't, I mean, what were the issues that the folks were talking about uh, over the last uh, year? I think COVID clearly was uh, at the very top of the list and, and healthcare was associated with that, particularly the cost of healthcare. I think Obamacare made life better for some, but I don't think it had necessarily uh, the economic relief that some, some folks had hoped for. So healthcare costs were a big concern and the ability to get the coverage they needed in the middle of a pandemic was, was definitely a big issue. I think we also saw that the, um, the economic doldrums, the, the economy on the one hand, if you look at Wall Street, the economy was growing steadily during the Trump administration. But what you saw on the street, particularly when you talk to working class voters and the families, was that they weren't seeing that in their pocketbooks. And so I, I think economic prosperity for everyone was a concern. And, uh, and then you also saw a lot of folks who, frankly, were just being left behind. And, and I think that was a, that continues to be a big issue. Another thing that I, that I would say was an issue going all the way back to 2007, 16, 17 and carrying forward is the lack of civility. This is, uh, I've probably heard that as much as any single issue over the, over the past, you know, three or four years that I've been doing this is the, uh, people just are very discouraged and concerned about the inability of their elected leaders to come together and to, uh, to do bipartisanship on really tough issues. And we see that obviously all the time in Washington, D.C., but even, even in Harrisburg, we see a lot of that, a lot of grandstanding. It's really unfortunate. I'm going to say amen to that, because uh, yeah. unfortunately, we, we need to repeat bipartisanship as often as possible. So the state Senate district entirely uh, comprises uh, Dauphin County. And my understanding is about 17% of the district is African-American, which I imagine is primarily uh, the city of Harrisburg. Uh, give us a sense of that population. Frankly, I think a lot of folks uh, looking back at some of the numbers were a little disappointed with turnout. Uh, there's a lot of speculation why turnout uh, in some of those urban precincts was down. But give us a sense uh, of those neighborhoods and communities. Well, well, first stepping back to to the 15th district as a whole, that district had been uh, got changed in the aftermath of Democrats winning it uh, with Rob Teplitz a few years back, and so uh, when that map was altered, um, that led to the Republicans reclaiming the seat, and and that was the map that I ran um, in as well. And with that map, certain sections of Dolphin County, Southern Dolphin County, were sliced off and put into the 48th state Senate district, which is getting ready to go through a special election here um, next month. Um, but they also added in all of Perry County. And Perry County is deeply um, red, uh, deeply Republican. And uh, and even though we performed really well in Dalton, we couldn't overcome that. Um, in terms of that 17%, though, in, in Dalton, um, it is uh, heavily in Harrisburg. But also uh, some of the surrounding townships, uh, Susquehanna Township has a very strong presence of Black folks, as well as the Asian American community is very strong there. In other communities, there's a Bhutanese community that's there. There's a strong Middle Eastern community. Um, it is a very diverse area, and I think it's going to increasingly be that way, particularly as, as we move forward and see the medical community 
continue to grow. And it's not just in Dolphin County on the east shore, it's also in the west shore in Cumberland County. And, and in fact, Cumberland County has seen faster growth in terms of um, shifting towards Democratic uh, numbers than any other county in the state of Pennsylvania. Well, I, know I apologize, uh, and I appreciate you clarifying uh, uh, that. Let's talk a bit about those first-generation communities. You know, the Biden-Harris ticket uh, invested more in, in full-time organizers, uh, starting back in Iowa and then all the way through uh, swing states like Pennsylvania and engaging, uh, quote-unquote, ethnic uh, and heritage uh, communities. And it does seem like there's some untapped potential there. Uh, I can think of Great opportunities and engagement that that certain county level and state rep uh, elected officials across the Commonwealth, whether it be in Erie or Lower Bucks County, uh, are doing. But I mean, talk about little Bhutan and the diaspora community you referenced, uh, and South Asians. If you can give uh, our listeners a flavor of that and anything you might be cooking up to uh, to get them more politically active. Well, I think they are already politically active. Uh, for example, here in the 2021 uh, election cycle, which is you know, folks refer to as an off year, but there's municipal and some countywide races. There are a number of folks from the Asian American community that are running. Um, we have uh, Anju Singh, who's running for Prothonotary in Dolphin County. And then there's some of the folks at the township level that are also running. And, and so I think they're, they're politically aware, they're active, they're realizing that they can, um, they can run and really have an impact on their communities. And we're seeing that as well on the West Shore. So, so I think the, uh, the potential was there. I think the Biden-Harris campaign really did a good job of trying to get those groups identified and motivated, and uh, and I think that's going to continue to bear fruit in the future. I, I think the Democratic Party should continue to engage with those communities, because uh, I think really they just want to have a voice in the political system and be heard, and they're, uh, they come uh, in many cases from uh, countries and communities where perhaps that, that wasn't the opportunity, so they're, uh, they really welcome and appreciate what the United States has to offer um, in terms of our political process. You know, too often in in places like Dauphin County uh, and Cumberland County, you, know, you just have a wave of literally millions of dollars and dozens of paid operatives coming in every four years. Uh, and then I think we'll probably see a, a version of that next year. But the sustained organizing being in the trenches, uh, getting folks registered to vote, uh, educating uh, uh, some of these diaspora communities. How do you how do you assess that uh, candidly? And and what and we have a lot of diverse listeners. You know what do you think uh, uh, can be done uh, if your assessment is not a uh, you know a shining uh, A plus? Well, I, I think that um, the traditional party structure has so many things on its plate, particularly at the county level. And, and these are folks that, uh, you know, are volunteering their time and effort. So, you know, I, I listened to part of the conversation you had with, uh, Dan and Colleen from, uh, from Delco a couple of weeks ago and was just amazed by the amount of time and effort that they poured in. And, and the county, uh, leaders that I've seen here in the South Central Pennsylvania often do the same thing, but, but it's tough for them to reach out to with specificity to specific groups or things like that. And so that's why I think uh, other organizations can come alongside and, and mobilize people, get people excited and active. We've seen some of that with uh, some of the individual groups that have grown in the region over the past few years. Uh, Capital Region stands up as a significant presence, uh, particularly on the West Shore, Hershey Indivisible, and some others on the East Shore. And we've also got uh, groups that are operating on a statewide basis. 
term PA Blue is, did tremendous work in the last election cycle and continues to do great work. Um, locally, what I and some others are doing is, is we've kind of looking at the term PA Blue model, have stood up a, a, an organization called Turn South Central PA Blue. And what we're focused on is, is really uh, drilling down on this corridor that runs from Carlisle in, in, in Cumberland County at the western end of the corridor over to Hershey in Dauphin County at the eastern end of the corridor and included in there obviously is, is uh, Harrisburg right smack in the middle. But we've got a bunch of kind of little islands of Democrats who in some cases have uh, have won races at the municipal level. Uh, Camp Hill, which for many years had been strongly under Republican control, the uh, the local council has got a Democratic majority there. And so what we want to do is we want to come alongside the uh, party structures in those areas and help to identify and recruit candidates for them. And then also kind of be a resource for those candidates at the uh, municipal and county level and, and maybe even state house level and say, hey, we're here. We've got a network of folks. If you've got questions, we're here to help you. Um, because as somebody who had never run for office before 2018, the learning curve as a first time candidate is so, so steep. And, and the county parties just don't have the bandwidth to be able to, to answer all the questions and provide all the help. They, they try, but they, it's going to take more than that. It's going to take some outside organizations coming in to fill some of those gaps. That is fascinating. And, uh, you know, thank you for, uh, to use the term again, making that plunge and, uh, uh, hatching this. Uh, I want to unpackage that a bit. Um, but I want to go back. You had mentioned Perry County. Uh, I have a good friend who uh, has a farm up there and, you know, it gets into a larger discussion. There's dozens and dozens of counties that comprise that sea of red. When we, when we look at these maps and you know, candidly, when statewide campaigns and, and the SDCC, the Senate Democrat campaign committee and the HCC, when they look at opportunities, they just kind of overlook these counties. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to go back to, you know, from your, your congregation in Perry County uh, and then you're campaigning in Perry County this past cycle. You know, I suppose it doesn't need to be an either or, but campaigns have finite budgets. Is it a question of engaging rural voters and trying to change hearts and minds, it, it, you know, doing a field program with much longer driveways and turf? Or is it trying to stay there in the suburbs or in the inner city of Harrisburg uh, and just maximize turnout and engage independents? I think it's both. I think we have to take the areas where we already have some degree of strength and build from there. So these little blue pockets, we want to kind of connect those dots together. But I think in places where we have not performed well in recent area, recent years, like Perry County, I think we have to be present. Um, and, and it has to be at a minimum, we have to have folks on the ballot, but we can't be satisfied with, yes, we have Democrats on the ballot. Therefore, we've, we've met the standard. The, the folks from the time that I spent serving the congregation in Perry County, as well as campaigning through Perry County, they're good people. They don't they don't see eye to eye, for example, with me on some of the folks there on, on political issues, but they're willing, many of them, to have those conversations. And I think part of this is about personal relationships. I, I think the most powerful tool that we as Democrats can do is is listen and recognize that even with folks that we may disagree with strongly on issues, we don't have to be disagreeable. I think one of the most dangerous things in, in the body politic, not just here locally in Pennsylvania, but throughout our nation, is the demonization of the other side. And, and, and I get it. You know, there has there's been things, particularly as we saw in, in January, there were some real 
far fringe elements out there doing things that are just not at all in keeping with with our our, our culture and our traditions and our democracy and our constitution. But that doesn't really mean that for your average everyday person. I think we got to be step back a little bit from the urge to demonize, to, to create a villain and, and really rather move towards uh, dialogue and getting to know each other. And, uh, and it's that, that really starts best with, with listening. And uh, somebody may say to me, you know, look, this is the way I feel on this issue. And I'll tell them, well, I, I'm, at, I'm on the other side of the issue, but I respect why you're there. And I hope you can understand and respect why I'm here. Very, very well said. Sage, sage advice. Uh, it's so easy to demonize when you're not having that dialogue. Uh, yeah. If we're not having the conversation with a dairy farmer in Perry County, then he or she can have that conversation with talk radio or with whatever they're seeing on social media. So let's go back to what you described as uh, that I-81, 83, and 76 corridor, this kind of blue blob, uh, if you will. And we can get granular. I mean, do you have certain townships in mind? Uh, I mean, it's an amazing vision that you all have. Is it is it to start at the township and school district level with an eye to grooming candidates uh, to, to commit to public service? Or uh, is it at the county level? You mentioned the, I can't even pronounce the word that uh, uh, Mr. Singh is running for, but uh, give us a sense. Yeah, it it is. Uh, it does start at the county level, particularly in Dauphin County, where we do have a Democratic majority. We feel like that's uh, really something that has to happen um, if we're going to see Democrats win at state house, state senate, and U.S. congressional level. We, we've got to uh, to start winning and, and demonstrate that we can win at the county level. And then there are certain townships and certain municipalities. I, I, I mentioned uh, Camp Hill being one. Carlisle and Cumberland County is another. Um, Hershey is another one that's in transition. And there are some specific townships uh, that we are looking at as well. Ones that have been traditionally uh, strongly Republican, but if you look, for example, a township like Hampton Township in Cumberland County, that's been solidly Republican for four years. And yet, if you look over the past four to six years, you see movement uh, and the movement is consistently more towards the center. Uh, and I think it's going to continue in, in with the demographic trends and other things in, in the years. So, yeah, so we are we are very targeted. This is uh, my background was I, I was an intelligence officer, not a human intelligence officer, not a spy kind of guy, but. Uh, a guy who was in infantry units trying to say, you know, hey, here's the lay of the land. Here's here's where we are. Here's where our opposition is. And, and we're trying to drill down to that level to say, OK, at the township level, can we win a seat here? And and uh, and who can we come alongside and help in that process? And, and just just to clarify, when you're referring to uh, some movement, are we talking about the makeup of the board of commissioners or supervisors uh, or we're talking about the voter registration numbers or or both? Actually, neither. I mean, I think there has been movement in voter registration numbers. The makeup, for example, Hampton Township, it's five commissioners and there are all five Republicans. Um, and it's been that way for a while. But what you see, if you look at the uh, election results, is that the gap between Republicans and Democrats is narrowing with the past few election cycles. It's getting tighter and tighter. Uh, and so... You know, that's the level that we're drilling down to. We're not only looking at the presidential results, but what are the municipal results for the last few cycles? And in the case, if there is movement, that indicates there's potential. And if you can get the right person and they can, you know, local races are interesting because you don't have to have a huge advertising budget. If you've got somebody who's a, who's a motivated candidate and they're willing to get out there and knock doors and they're personable and they've got a strong story, they can go a long way. Yeah. I mean, let alone having 
three or four kids uh, or half a dozen college students volunteering from Dickinson, uh, you can do a, a world of damage. Uh, look, I think it's important for our listeners to uh, remember, Congresswoman Madeline Dean, less than 10 years ago, was not involved in politics and in electoral politics. 20 years ago, Abington Township was a pretty red place. You look at the last decade, township supervisor, then becomes a state representative, congresswoman. Next thing you know, she's an impeachment manager and doing a, a hell of a job in Washington. So we should not discount getting to know um, these township supervisors and getting to know the lay of the land uh, on election season. So so give us a sense. You've been super generous with, with, with your time. Uh, you know, we're coming up on uh, the primary, the municipal primary uh, for some of these races, at the municipal and county level. And then before we know it, we'll be... Um, you know, we'll be 100 days out from the general. These are these are low turnout affairs, uh, unfortunately. But, you know, how how can how can our listeners get more involved? How, uh, you know, how do you see this playing out uh, between now and, and November? Well, I think they can get involved a number of different ways. First of all, they can um, contribute to these local candidates. And if they're not sure about which candidates to do that to, um, they can work with uh, you know, an organization like like Turn South Central PA Blue or at a statewide level, Turn PA Blue. So, for example, Turn PA Blue has has targeted 10 counties in the state of Pennsylvania in the Commonwealth and uh, that they really want to see Democrats make some progress here in 2021. Their top two two counties are Cumberland County and Dauphin County, you know, and, and so, so that's great to see that going on. The other thing is they can volunteer, you know, and, and the beauty of what we saw through the uh, pandemic was people figured out some new and exciting ways to volunteer. Some of them are folks who will drive into the area, you know, and volunteer, but they can volunteer through writing postcards, um, making phone calls, doing phone banking. There's all kinds of ways. Now, now, now my organization, we're not to the point where we're doing that level of uh, thing, but there are other organizations that are doing that out there. Uh, and again, uh, there's also always the traditional uh, Pennsylvania Democratic Party, which is working hard on special elections right now for the spring cycle, but also we'll be working hard in the fall to get candidates elected uh, up and down the ballot. So I got to ask you a final question. I, I um, was very intrigued about the highlight of your military service and, and serving in Amman. Uh, and we certainly wish the people of Jordan with everything that's happening there this week uh, well. When you look back at your run for federal office and state office, it came up uh, by a squeaker short, but what was the highlight? The highlight has to be um, <clears throat> a couple of days before the election in 2018. We we were underdogs, obviously terrible underdogs. Even though the district map had changed, uh, nobody really thought we had a chance. And but the polls showed it tightening. And then uh, just a couple of days before the election, we got word that uh, uh, Vice President Biden was going to make a swing through Harrisburg. And so we set up a venue. And we quickly found out that the venue was going to be too small. So we end up in the uh, farm show arena and there were uh, several thousand folks that showed up there. And uh, it was just, it was fantastic. I'll never forget that. We had um, President Biden, now President Biden was there. Um, Governor Wolf was there. A number of other elected leaders were there. Uh, Eugene Pasquale, Patty Kim, um, several others. It, it was, it was a moment I'll never forget. And uh, so I really was, uh, Blessed to have that opportunity uh, and excited to see people uh, generally uh, really looking at what might be might be possible to happen. And it didn't happen that year. But but I think uh, we're going to see a lot of change here in the next couple of years. And hopefully we'll be able to replicate some of the things that folks uh, in the collar counties and other areas of Pennsylvania have done. And 
and I'm just uh, just happy to be part of that. And I, and I do need to do need to make one quick clarification. Um, uh, I uh, because of family considerations, we went ahead uh, here uh, a couple months ago and moved uh, into Northern York County. And so I'm actually not a resident of Dauphin County. I'm uh, back uh, in the town of Dillsburg and uh, enjoying life there. But it is it is part of that uh, greater Harrisburg metropolitan area that we're hoping to, to make uh, progress in. As campaign consultants say, it's the Harrisburg media market. And uh, yeah. uh, but we will uh, we'll, we'll do a deep dive with York County and all the traffic that goes into the uh, the, the greater Baltimore area. Uh, on another uh, uh, episode. But Lieutenant Colonel Scott, thank you so much. Uh, this is uh, sage advice, not only for uh, South Central PA, but I think the organizing and the uh, persistence uh, and stick to uh, uh, Commonwealth-wide. Well, thank you, Ari. It's been a pleasure to uh, to be with you and thanks for, for giving me a chance to, to chat. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. As Hillary Clinton used to say, it takes a village. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Sarah McGrath and Jake Schwartz. If you liked this discussion, we would love for you to give us a review, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a suggestion on a future guest and other feedback, visit our website, papoliticspodcast.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PA Political Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.